So we still don't have a Samsung foldable phone, but according to this report here on Bloomberg, Samsung is secretly working on another foldable phone. They're like, yeah, okay, the Galaxy Fold. Don't worry. It's coming. It's close. It's closer. But it's not the end of our experimentation. Not that I expected it to be. This report via Bloomberg is uh, relating to a much different kind of folding phone. Coming supposedly in 2020, this will close inward like a classic flip phone. Now, as time has passed, Will, I've started to realize a thing or two about life. You understand? As a man on planet Earth. You understand? Wow. You know anything about that? No idea. Uh, no, more specifically to, to these folding phones that there's going to be two types. And the type that we saw with the Galaxy Fold is actually more of a folding tablet, if we're being honest. Because when it unfolds, it's in tablet territory. It's the tablet itself that folds. It's a folding tablet. It folds into maybe something that looks more like a phone, but ultimately in its unfolded state, it's a tablet. Folding phones are likely more like this thing, as well as the Motorola concept and some of the other ones that we've seen. Because when they unfold, their unfolded state is more like a typical smartphone. And the way you achieve that is by folding into a clamshell, into a square form factor. Now, of course, the benefit here is that you end up with a much smaller package in your pocket because you don't. You don't want, you know, in the pocket. Mm -hmm. You want to have a small package, a, the, the package in your pocket. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Uh, so what I'm trying to, this is where I'm trying to go here, Will. I'm trying to go somewhere here. Okay. I think that this form factor, the one that's being proposed here for some next generation Samsung, the one with the Motorola here, is actually more of a wow factor, potentially, than what we've seen in the form of the Galaxy Fold, Huawei Mate X, kind of the, the, the current generation, the current crop of folding smartphones. Although, I can't even call them the, 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 the current crop because they didn't even come out. Mm -hmm. The first crop, I'll say, because they're going to beat these ones to market. But ultimately, I think this at least makes the case that you still have your typical smartphone experience. The uh, suggestion here is that this upcoming model is going to be 6.4, 6.7 inches. 6.7. 6.7. So when it's folded out, when it's folded into phone uh, ratio, phone form factor, it's the same size, scale. It's very similar. Don't make me pull out my Galaxy Note, hmm. Note 10 Plus. But imagine this folded down into a square. This is a demonstration right now. Mm. I'm about to fold this into a square on camera. I'm definitely not With doing your that. knee? If this was, imagine this was chopped in half. That's now in your pocket. That's kind of nice. Uh -huh. Chopped in half. I guess it gets a bit fatter, but it kind of becomes like a wallet or something like that. Granted, they could probably make it thinner. Who knows what they can do? But that's the type of proposition that's applicable to everyone. Everyone wants to carry something smaller in their pocket. In fact, so much so, and I'm old enough to remember that the initial premium phones that existed in the world were all about 
how small they were, how small they could get. From the original Razer, I had a Motorola V-Series that had a spin. The screen spun up. It, these things were tiny. Or the original StarTac. You remember that? The StarTac? It was the same concept. The cooler the phone, the more expensive the phone, the more miniaturized it became. Mm -hmm. So we know that once upon a time, there was a demand for that. Now, granted, these didn't have displays that you watched videos on. So it was a whole different thing. But we know that portability matters to people. And when you certain things, when you can make them smaller, you can make them more attractive. So anyhow, Samsung probably, you know, they saw the Motorola thing. And they were like, oh, we're going to fold. We can fold it that way. What you need us to do? We got the display tech. You want to fold it this way? If we fold it that way, we can fold it either way. No problem. So in 2020, expect to see the next generation of Samsung's folding tech in that form factor right there. Another thing that happens with the clamshell design, you protect that fragile display. Right. You, you, you put it inward, and it's uh, you, know, you have your metallic components on the outside sort of uh, uh, blocking the fragile component from getting scratched. I guess you wouldn't need a case then. No case. Right? No case necessary. And, and the aspect ratio might be slightly different. The Razer model looks quite tall and slender. Mm -hmm. It could be very well that this next generation Samsung device could have a more typical form factor like a Galaxy Note or something along those lines. Anyway, they're working with an American designer by the name of Tom Brown, supposedly. And the endeavor here is to appeal to a broader range of customers that includes those more interested in fashion, status, and luxury than just strictly tech specs. So a fashion accessory, Will. Mm -hmm. It could, could be uh, just the thing you're looking for. I mean, I'm always looking for fashion. You got to step your fashion game. Here. Yeah, you got to step your fashion game up. This is so. their website or his website. You see how that works? Ground. Well, on that website, look at they can't be no none of these guys are happy and they don't the, no I thought this was a woman. No, these guys are not happy and they do not have eyes. You understand? Uh, they cannot look at you. Dead face. Yep. That's right. No expression, just fashion. It's all that's allowed in uh, this place. Their wallets are nice. Not you like bad. the the stripe thing going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a nice little pattern. If you click on one of these guys, then do you see their eyes? I don't. How does that work? No, they just—they don't—they don't actually have the rest of their head doesn't exist. It's been chopped off by Tom Brown. That's part of the gig. You chop off from the bridge of the nose, so that we can be certain your expression never mm. changes, and it's all about the fashion. Anyway, what are we talking? Look, there's going to be a number of different types of folding phones as these manufacturers continue to try to find a place to get a grip uh, on, the, on the marketplace to get customers to say, hey, what's that thing? I need that thing. Yeah. And it, it's proven to be tough. But maybe this one, Will, maybe I see this thing in your pocket, this little accessory. I see this little thing fold into a square, and I'm like, you know what? Why does he get to have that? Maybe I need that. Maybe this is the one. And you but remember that uh, your folding phone, Samsung, um, you didn't have a problem folding it, like mm -mm. taking it out. Unfolding no, it. but when it's unfolded, it is no, it's not a phone. This is yeah. where I'm at with the distinction here because it's a two handed thing at that point. Mm -hmm. This, what I'm talking about here with Motorola, with this one that's rumored, it's going to flip up. If you flip up, it's a one handed, it's a phone. To me, that's a phone. Right. Whereas the other thing is a tablet that folds, which was cool on, in and of itself. It's a, it was a tablet that fit in your pocket. 
So there's a place for both of these. Maybe there's a folding iPad eventually. But for the time being, we're going to start with the Galaxy Fold once it eventually comes out. Mate X, maybe after that. Xiaomi uh, showed off, of course, that triple fold situation that existed. And then eventually, we're going to get things that look more like the Motorola. And I think they might be on to something. I think they might actually have the thing that compels people. Uh, there's definitely, maybe it's not the tech enthusiasts that watch this show, but there's definitely a subset there, there's an audience, I think, for something that's really small. Okay, you know, people, they like to wear tight uh, jeans. Yeah. Uh, certain outfits, limited pocket space. I don't know. It's just, I can imagine, I can imagine the square fold being a hit for, for some users. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one I'm really excited about, well, uh, we talked about it as soon as I came in today. There was an event that took place uh, recently the Porsche Taycan. I was saying Taycan uh, previously. It's T-A-Y-C-A-N. But during the presentation, all the German guys and whatnot, they say Taycan. And they also say Porsche. Oh. You don't say Porsche. You say Porsche. You know, if you're German or European or whatever. Oh. Anyhow, from this, from this moment forward in this video, I will no longer say Porsche. I will say Porsche because that's the way... I mean, that's just one syllable, so you save a syllable. So I'm just trying to be efficient. Anyway, they had this big event today. This is the uh, their first foray into the fully electric automobile, the sort of Tesla Model S territory where they've existed almost on their own for so long. Trailblazers in the electric car department. And as you can tell with the Taycan, Porsche has not been sleeping They've been staying up at night with the notepad and with the sketchbook, Will. And they've been drawing some pretty wild lines, dare I say, sir. Mm. Looks pretty slick. There it is. This thing looks like a spaceship. It looks like an electric vehicle. It looks futuristic. Uh, now, some people have made the case to me when I was talking about the interior when those images were first released prior to this full unveiling. They were like, that's not futuristic. The Tesla's futuristic because it's like all minimal, nothing extra. And maybe they have a point. Maybe traditionally that's what technology has been. But for me, this one's just a bit more fun. You know, you look at this thing and it's got just a little more uh, character, dare I say, in the absence of full minimalism. Now, granted, it does look sort of like a modified Panamera, which is a vehicle I'm very familiar with. Mm -hmm. It does share some elements with it. I don't think that's such a bad thing. This company obviously has this incredible history with automobiles, racing, and, uh, and uh, quality vehicles. So if they're taking inspiration from their other models, which are tried and tested, so be it. Great. And Use they're backed up by VW. Yeah, so, you have, so this is part of the parent... Uh, company VW, which actually is going to play a role actually in the uh, the rollout of the chargers mm -hmm. because there will be a charge network for this. And that actually brings me to my next, probably the most exciting thing for a lot of tech heads about this particular vehicle. It will be expensive. I should say that right out the gate is going to start at $150,000. But one uh, really interesting element is the speed at which this thing is going to be capable of charging. It's going to be unique to this vehicle. It's going to be able to get 100 kilometers of range in five minutes of charging. Did I? Is that right? Can we get, can we, can we get an, a, a verification on that? Did I say that correctly? 
I think it's somewhere around there. Anyhow, it's going to charge really fast. I think 25 minutes is going to give you 80% of your overall battery life. It's uh, it's going to charge at around 800 volts or something like this. It's it's incredibly fast charging as far as you need to be concerned. And it's faster charging than what the Tesla stuff is capable of. Now, granted, they do not have the supercharger network in place. Like Tesla, Tesla's had such a huge head start here. Yeah, they have the infrastructure. So the first step, oh, it's going to recharge 100 kilometers in four minutes. Will just gave me the uh, the update. Total range, 450 kilometers. There's going to be a couple different models. So it won't have quite as much range as the Tesla. It won't have the supercharger network of the Tesla. But once you get to, to the right charger, it will charge faster than the Tesla. Uh, obviously, it's a generation one product, so you can't necessarily have the same expectation, even though it feels like Tesla's been around for a really long time at this point. You can't have the same expectation for something like a supercharger network, which takes time and really wouldn't make any sense to have in the absence of a vehicle to take advantage of it. That said, the first thing that's going to happen is the dealerships are going to become charging stations, and then eventually there'll be some network put in place by the parent company to build out that network. Of course, with electric cars, the majority of recharges are happening at home through uh, through residentially uh, installed chargers. Slower charge. Yeah, well, you, you could leave do, it overnight. You could do a slower charge overnight, and you should be okay with that. Now, the other uh, the other stuff that they talked about that they're happy about that they're proud of, of course, the speed of it or the quickness, I should say. The top of the line model capable of zero to sixty in two point six seconds. So very fast, uh, not quite as fast as the craziest model. Model S. The craziest Model S, P100D, ludicrous enabled. But what Porsche says is that they they really thought about the ability to to do that launch at that speed over and over again with reliability. Mm -hmm. So their claim is like they've got the real electric race car. And in order to prove that, they took this vehicle around the Nuremberg Ring, which is like this uh, legendary racetrack in Germany where almost every production car is tested to see how fast it is in a real racing environment. And traditionally, fully electric vehicles have struggled in this type of environment because the batteries are just not set up for it. They overheat. They have to take breaks. They have to chill out. They have to, uh, it's kind of like a CPU underclocking. You know what I'm saying? They got to chill for a minute. They can't go hardcore 24-7. This one, on the other hand, you can see he's got it locked at 260 kilometers an hour there on the speedometer. And they did this in like seven and a half minutes, something like that. They did this ring in around seven and a half minutes, which they're claiming for this class is really impressive. Seven, seven minutes and seven minutes, 42 seconds. Now, if you look up the time for a Model S... Even the highest end version of it on the Nuremberg Ring, I believe it's it, it's uh, it's not as quick as that one is, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's not exactly designed for that. Now, I understand what you might be saying. <coughs> You're like, who's gonna do this? What am I? I'm not going racing my my Model S. It's not really what it's about. And and it's a great point. Most people don't drive their cars like this. But then, what are we buying all these really fast cars for, though? That's the thing. Like. You make a great point. We're not really driving like it, but somehow these bragging rights matter because it implies to the customer that the engineering is of the utmost uh, uh, sophistication. If it's capable of this, then it's going to be, for my daily life, it's going to be over-engineered. Right. That's the idea behind this testing. That's why people 
want to buy cars that perform well in that environment because it's a harsh, it's kind of the harsh, harshest environment a car can exist in. Now, as far as the inter uh, interior is concerned, a lot more screen. There are some parts here that look to be shared with the Panamera and other Porsche vehicles, but it's even more screen than on anything they've made before. The center column is screen. There's two screens in the dash, one for the driver. There's a screen for the passenger and a giant screen behind the steering wheel, which encompasses all your various gauges. It looks futuristic, arguably not as futuristic or minimal as the Tesla interior, but cool to me, maybe because of the era I grew up in, maybe because this is that's a vision of the future, which to me has actually has nostalgia to the uh, to an original kind of impression of the future. Anyhow, you could probably tell I'm a fan of this thing. I want one. It looks amazing. The event today just made it even more clear to me that this is a, a very cool vehicle. And on top of that, taking nothing away from Tesla, by the way, uh, but this is the first fully electric vehicle that has been really properly enticing to me, maybe with the exception of the Tesla Roadster. Uh, not that I have, not that I didn't, don't like the vehicles, like the, the Model 3, for example, that was in here. That thing was incredible, especially for the money. It's, an, it's incredible what you get. But, you, I mean, sometimes you don't know what it is about a car, why, you know, how it speaks to you if, it's, if, you, if you find it to be cool or not. The, the visual appearance of this one to me is just so standout, especially when you see it specked out in the white with the white and black rims. The thing, it just makes an impression on me that the other ones that exist right now don't. So I can't really speak to that. It's subjective. It's going to be different for everyone. And by no means am I saying that the, the Model S is not a, not a nice looking car. It totally is. But this one just gets me going in a different way. And, but... It's important to note that, completely true, if it weren't for Tesla uh, building out the proof of concept, who knows if we're here right now, who knows if we're looking at this product, this Taycan, in the current shape, in the current form. Very exciting times for electric vehicles. This will be very expensive. Super important to note, starting at $150,000, so it's not targeted at everyone, but of course, Porsche says something similar to what Tesla says, which is, hey, if this thing's successful, we're going to make some cheaper models as well, targeting something closer to 100000 knocking like 50 k off of the price point. And who knows, maybe because of the parent company, VW, we see this in even more inexpensive VW products, some of the tech and some of the things they learn from this particular model, similar to the trajectory with, with Tesla, where they start with the expensive Model S and then... The tech it, can just trickle down. It trickles down. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, very exciting times. It's so cool looking. Uh, go check it out. Did you know, Will, that uh, a lot of people are losing their AirPods? You must have imagined that. Like uh, while they're wearing them? Yeah, like they just they drop it and can't find it. It's so small. Mm -hmm. uh, I got this report here on Mac Rumors. New, York, New Yorkers losing so many AirPods in subway tracks that MTA is considering a PSA to warn commuters. So what's going on here is people are dropping so many AirPods that it's actually becoming disruptive, that they're having to, like, these guys are having to go down there to try to find them for people, and, you know, it's gross down there, and maybe certain trains have to slow down a little bit because they got to get this AirPod out, and it's just being, it's disruptive at this point. If you drop it in the New York subway, would you want it back? I mean, it looks pretty grimy. With the, the rats. The image is good, but they're expensive, Will. Not everybody's balling out of control <laughs> like you. 
All right. Would you want it back? That looks grimy. The picture that we're looking at, it's just like this AirPod that's just dirty, mm -hmm. like dusty. Yeah, it's not nice. It's gross. not nice. But I will tell you, I mean, and I didn't even know this. I'm reading this article here. You can get a replacement AirPod, a singular AirPod for $69. Oh, okay. So I didn't even know that. I thought you'd have to buy a whole new pair. You can get a singular AirPod, but... So what do you think? Do you think the dirty AirPod, New York City subway AirPod, or are you splurging on a 69 for the singular replacement? Uh, I um, don't know. I I mean, it's it's just just looking at this picture, it's just really gross. You're bailing out. Yeah, it does just look pretty good. about the New York subway. No, there's rats. You got rats down there. I yeah. mean, all kinds of garbage. Yeah, it's, it's not a fun place to be. Uh, anyhow, so we have a couple quotes here from some of the subway workers. Uh one guy says here that he had 18 requests to fetch lost items no. around noon on a Thursday. He had 18 requests for the whole day to fetch lost items, and six of them were AirPods. So it's a very high percentage on a daily basis of these AirPods. I mean, it showcases the popularity of the AirPod, but it, all, it also, of course, showcases, I guess you could call it a flaw. Now, he says maybe it's been happening more frequently in the summer because it's hot down there and people got like sweaty ears and yeah. sweaty hands and they're just, it's slipping, it's flipping and slipping. It's quite possible, but people are taking all kinds of uh, of routes to try to, to try to get their stuff. Uh, one girl, passenger Ashley Meyer, she live tweeted a track rescue. Uh, she took pictures of herself going to get a broom and duct tape. And so she's down there with the rats trying to get her oh, so AirPod. She was doing it herself. She did her. She didn't even let. She didn't even tell anybody. She just went right for it. Right. I can't lie. I might attempt at a certain point in my life. I might attempt something similar. Certain right. point, not right now. Right. I wouldn't do it. I'm a busy guy. I got things going on. I'm not there with the duct tape. But, yeah. but nonetheless, there it is. That's her AirPod right there, and that's her broom, and that's her tape. By the way. That's her experience getting that AirPod. Good for her, whatever. You don't want to spend the 69, so be it. You got the AirPod. I don't know, you got to clean it up, all of that. But uh, I guess, I guess you know what the surprising takeaway is for me here? That Apple will actually sell you a singular replacement AirPod. Right. That's a surprising thing to me because I would have thought company like Apple, they're like, nah. Yeah. You got to buy the whole deal. They probably just test it and be like, eh, yeah, you can probably just lose one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? No, I know. They're, I think they're being cool with that. I don't know what the price should be. Uh, obviously, a full replacement set is 150 159 or whatever it, whatever it happens to be. So it's quite a discount to just get a singular AirPod. But still, uh, I think most people, I think a lot of people are, obviously a lot of people are going for it. They don't want to spend that kind of money on a single AirPod. Anyway, hold on to your AirPods. I mean, what the, that's the message. Careful with these little things jumping out of the subway. Maybe just leave them in until you've progressed far enough from the subway yeah. tracks. Because I'm wondering, actually, how are these all falling on the tracks? What's going on there? The people are, the activity must be that as you exit the subway car, you pull them out. Mm. There's jostling. Who knows? I mean, there could be a lot of ways. Maybe someone can fill me in. Maybe someone's had this experience or seen this happen live. But I'm assuming what's happening is that the transition to the subway train itself is a place where people are either putting in or t probably putting in. They right. scrambled to get to the subway. They made it on time. They're about to step on and they're like, ah, my audio book. And then deadly. Could have bumped into someone. It's like a busy. Yeah, day. I mean, there's a lot going on. It could be a lot of things. Remember this thing called the light phone? 
credit card size phone. Yep. Yeah, well, they're doing another version, Light Phone 2, and it's not as light. It's less Light Phone, less of a Light Phone than the last Light Phone. Uh, the last one had like a light up screen. Maybe that's where it got its name from. And it was crazy minimal. I don't know. Don't remember if we made a video or not. Did we? We did. Yeah. On the light phone? Are you sure? I mean, we did some other minimal phones, but I don't remember if we did the light phone. Oh, we did do the light phone. Is what a strange phone was the title of the video on Unbox Therapy one year ago. So that was, it just basically had a number pad on it. Now, this thing was surprisingly popular. They sold like 15,000 units. Uh, surprisingly, it became popular amongst, uh, like for parents to give to their kids. It's like an emergency phone with a long battery and, and all they can do is dial on it, basically. It's like the most basic phone possible. Well, turns out they think that it might have been too basic. So beyond just being a target for, for kids or maybe seniors, people looking for a crazy simplified phone, it was also popular for the digital detoxers. You know that group of people that China, China unwind, disconnect, and so forth. So I think they went a bit too far with that last version. The new version, on the other hand, they're going to give text messaging back to you, and they're going to give you an e-ink display. And this is the one that Will's showcasing right now. So it's a it's a less light phone, but still very light. No messaging apps, no Facebook, no Twitter, not no YouTube, nothing like that. The benefit, of course, of e-ink is it can display anything. So now you can, of course, have a full keyboard on there for texting. And in fact, you'll see images here on a website turning it horizontally to get an even big, bigger keyboard for messaging. Uh, this one also improves the connectivity. So the original version was a 2G device. This one is 3G or 4G? I can't remember. Uh, it's 4G. So they go all the way up to 4G. And uh, this one was also via crowdfunding. So it was on Indiegogo. The first time they raised, oh, they ended up raising a total of $3.5 million. So that's pretty cool. And they got some uh, fairly significant backers as well. Some investors from some big, hmm. high-profile companies. So they have like a pretty decent backing to them. The colors of the devices, this is going to be interesting to you, Will. The colors of the devices were aimed at being the exact tone of a white or black e-ink uh, e display. So the surrounding bezel of the device, they were trying to make it match as closely as possible. So for, for white, that means a kind of like muted white, almost light gray. And for black, that's like a dark gray, but not like a crazy black. Anyway, we played around with an e-ink smartphone in the past. Of course, the issue is the refresh on it is a nightmare. Like it feels like everything is happening so slowly. Mm -hmm. But that was an e-ink smartphone attempting to run something like Android. This, on the other hand, is made to be incredibly simple to respond to a singular text, to make a phone call, and so forth. And so the simplicity here, it, it might be okay to have an e-ink display for something that you're not expected to interact with in a right. major way, like a smartphone. An e-ink smartphone, a bit more difficult. And you can see on the demonstration video that you're showing right now, how you have to, it has to refresh at certain points. See that? Mm -hmm. So the screen goes dark when you move around within there. But for a digital detox, I feel like this one might do better because how you can't not text, man. People text you, you gotta see it. You can't be on the T9, you need a keyboard. So this one, you get rid of most of the crazy addictive stuff. 
And then you have phone, alarm, calculator, text, notes, that's it. So I know people are going to, like a lot of people are going to think it's crazy, and it kind of is crazy. It could be a supplementary device. It could be a vacation phone to keep you off your smartphone. The problem comes in at the price point like it did for the last one, and a lot of these phones, it's going to be 350 bucks. And for me, that's just like, it's crazy. You're Now you're telling people to get this instead of a legitimate smartphone. If this is 150 bucks. And I, I get it. You can get a legitimate smartphone for 150 bucks as well. But if it's 150 bucks, it's a different conversation. It's like give it a try. It's more in the territory of give it a try as opposed to 350. That's a hefty commitment. We'll see how it goes. I'm glad stuff like this exists. I'm glad people are thinking about this. It's not going to be for everyone. That is for sure. It's not even going to be for most people. But as a as a as a temporary detox or as a as a vacation phone or even an evening phone. Like you go out to a nice dinner or something, you don't, maybe you have a totally different experience if you don't have your smartphone with you. I don't know. I don't know what your level of addiction is, but I know for a fact everywhere I go, Will, it's the phones take over all the environments. So we can't deny that that's happening. I think it's best to be cognizant of it. And it's cool to see alternative ways. Ultimate scenario would be just like leave the phone, leave right. the phone. I mean, that's crazy though. People still feel like they need to be in touch in case of emergency, so on right. and so forth. So this, does that it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of like leaving your phone maybe you'll feel free maybe you have a great experience guy like you what do you think will you know i i think uh this phone might be great for vacations like right going camping yeah or, right you know off um, the grid yeah i i i think it's a great uh it's a great product so that's your next it's phone so simple You're giving up it's your minimal. pixel your pixel's done uh I yeah i didn't think, yeah i didn't think so you know. Uh, Ninja's back in the news regarding that Mixer deal when he left Twitch. So, uh, I mean, it was so widely reported. Everybody knows about this. Biggest streamer on Twitch, or at least one of the biggest. And he leaves to go to this new streaming platform, Mixer, owned by Microsoft. Causes waves in the industry. Signs some kind of deal. It's a huge announcement and so forth. And it has been streaming on Mixer presumably successfully i saw him on twitter talking about some of the numbers and subscriber counts and so on sounds like it's going decent and so anyway he's making another a new a fresh headline now because he has been streaming gears 5 uh, he did an exclusive stream for gears 5 and so some people are saying hey this is a he's got the benefit here because he's got the deal with mixer which is microsoft gears is a microsoft title so he's got this advantage now because of this. And or maybe some people were speculating he got a boatload of money to play this game. Or some people are speculating that as part of his original Mixer deal, he's got to play Microsoft titles and he's got to showcase right. them before everyone else. Now, as you know, as we all know, if a popular streamer plays a game, what do people do? They buy the game. Mm -hmm. Like that's how this thing works. It's pretty straightforward. You want the game, you buy the game, you want you want to participate, you want to go along with the thing. It's a great promotional mechanism. Mm -hmm for a new game uh and people then even further along they say well you know if, if there is any kind of connection there people are saying well the verge is saying that they want some type of disclosure they want some sort of ftc guideline situation that is like hey were you compensated this and that look will listen to me will huh. are you willing and are you ready this kind of stuff is so advanced right now. It's going on everywhere. It's impossible to break it down, to oversimplify it, to say, oh, 
yeah, he's streaming on Mixer. So, of course, he's got to play Gears. He has no choice in the matter. Oftentimes, in my experience, having been in this, in this realm and in this space, it's more nuanced than that. There might be a little indication. There might be a little suggestion. For him, it might be as simple as, hey, I got, this is a game that's coming out soon. People want to know about it. I want to play. It could be as simple as that. Yeah. That it's just a hot title at the moment. And so if there might not be more to it. There's a lot of different ways that this content, this Gears 5 stream might get in front of you. Now, if you're another streamer and you don't have access to the game and you really want to play the game and you really want to get viewers, you might be upset then. Yeah. And that, that that might be the equivalent of like say us, we've have we have a smartphone that no one else in the world has access to, and we're busy uh enjoying it, experimenting with it, making videos about it, and no one else can. Mm -hmm. You could imagine if you're another streamer. But as an audience member, I would I would say they win. Yeah, I would say, look, you're gonna of course the most successful people are gonna get the early access. Of course, it's the biggest channels streamers that are going to be the first to bring you this new content what are they going to do go to the small people no they want to get right. the message out they want to get it, eyeballs as well. yeah it makes sense right. and they want to get other streamers looking at the bigger streamers and saying that's what i should be playing and that's what i should be talking about so uh i don't think the mixer deal specifically is the reason he's doing it i could i could imagine him still being on twitch and being like i'm gonna play gears 5 it just came out yeah i just noticed that his content recently he's been switching up games like he was playing minecraft world of warcraft that's another microsoft title by the way oh yeah minecraft oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah world of warcraft is not but minecraft is yeah he's yeah and 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 to to be to be fair like to to fully round out the topic fortnite isn't what it used to be in terms of popularity mm -hmm. obviously it's, that's not news everyone knows that so you got to switch it up too on top of that and as a human being, you got to imagine it gets pretty monotonous playing the same title forever. Right. So there's a lot of factors going into this. And of course, people are going to be critical. And of course, people are going to look into it because of the nature and the scale of Ninja himself and companies like Microsoft. But I'm just saying it's hard to write about it, talk about it, because there's likely a lot more nuance that goes into the decision. And I don't think for a second he's trying to fool anyone. I don't think he will play it if he didn't want to. He doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy that has to play any game. There's no, just like people, I know a lot of people think that once the corporate involvement, it's like a gun to the head. It's like, you got to do it. It's like, yeah. no, man, that doesn't, you can, you can say, look, I'm not willing or yes, I am. Or this is this, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I, I would like to do that. You know, there's, there's still options. Mm -hmm. And I've been in the, I've been not in that business specifically, but in this segment that we're, we're in, I, I, I think audience members will be surprised how much, an individual like Ninja could flex his muscles and say, I'm not just going to do something. He's not going to be right. told to do something. Mm -hmm. That's my feeling on the map. Just for the sake of being told. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Next up, uh, MX Master 3. This mouse right here. Look at that fancy, flashy new. That's the new, new. The new one. So, very exciting day. I have, uh, I've been interested in this series of mouse for so long now multiple generations every generation in fact we all use it at the studio everybody at the studio uses it and this is the new incarnation this is the master three the uh, successor to the 2s so many improvements it's unbelievable uh mostly this scroll wheel now which is crazy to say because i 
When I tried the last scroll wheel and the other one, it was like, how can I use another scroll wheel? This scroll wheel does to the 2S scroll wheel what the 2S scroll wheel did to every other scroll wheel. Mm. You see that, Will? It, so, uh, it upped. It upped the ante. Absolutely. Really? The whole thing is more comfortable. It puts my hand at a better angle. They changed the button layout. It makes so much more sense on the side over here. It's got USB Type-C now, so it can quick charge. One minute can give you a, of a charge can give you a day of use, and then a full charge is 70 days. It's better in almost every area. Same starting launch price as, all the, uh, as the previous model, $99, $99.99. You got to get under that $100 price point. And, of course, I made a video on Unbox Therapy going into depth. So you can go check that out if you like, but this is one of those rare tech products that almost the whole tech community gets behind. Not just myself, mm -hmm. not just everybody in this office, but all the other, everybody's like, this is a new, because no one agrees on anything. Yeah. But this one, everyone's like, this is a new MX Master. It's also the brand too. It's so well recognized. They do such great products. Yeah. This is not sponsored. <laughs> I have to say oh yeah, I know. Like, I know it's we not just sponsored. Love the product. They sent it. They sent it over. I unboxed it. I'm using it on this laptop right now. It's got the dark field 4,000 DPI sensor in it, which tracks on almost any surface. They claim the scroll wheel technology is 90% faster and 8% more precise. It's also silent. It's not got that nasty clicking to it. It's amazing how much a new product can make me hate the old one. It's so weird because I loved that mouse, the 2S. And but yet this one has improved so much that it's like I can't recommend the old one anymore. I got to say you got to pay the full pop and splurge on the new one, uh, especially the scroll wheel, but also type C. The type C connector is a no brainer. All my other devices are type C. My laptop that I use is type C. My headphones that I use are type C. So now it's a singular charger as well, even though you're not going to be charging this thing uh too often but still it's nice to know you have the confidence one cable mm -hmm. to rule them all you got the flow app there's so much going on with this when you go and scroll on a web page with this i don't even have the extended driver installed the beautiful switch between single line advances i'm talking on a web page you can go line by line if you want few lines at a time or you hit the speed on it and you fly to the entire bottom and it happens seamlessly with no noise. They call it mag speed. The wheel is called mag speed. It's this type of automatic switching between a free spin and a clicky spin. Mm -hmm. That's just such a unique experience to this particular product. And part of the reason I've been recommending this series for so long. And now they improved it. So you can tell I'm excited. It's, uh, it's some hype in this department. And you know what? I'm not going to apologize for it. How about that? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm just going to say it's a it's a fancy new mouse. You can go watch the official video. It's on the Unbox Therapy channel at the point at which you're watching this. I showcase the app, and I do a little demo, and I play with it more extensively than this. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's worth checking out. If you're in the market for a mouse and you got got 100 bucks burning a hole in your pocket, these things are tried and tested and true. Now, they also put out a new keyboard, which Kirk is currently using, and he seems to be a big fan of. I'm going to try that more. Uh, coming up pretty soon. It's a low profile. It fits in. It's part of the Master Series. It looks pretty slick. It feels robust. So much going on. Wonderful. Uh, Google got into a bit of trouble, Will. Ordered to pay a $170 million penalty over collecting kids' personal info. We talked about it in the past on this show. 
about the issue, the difficulty in figuring out how to serve content to youngsters, to, to young people, uh, where there's currently in traditional media some pretty significant restrictions on how that is done and also on how it's monetized. Mm -hmm. What the advertising threshold is for a young person, what type of content is suitable, and so forth. And YouTube has made waves in various areas of this content for various reasons, some positive, a lot negative. It's so sensitive is the key when you're talking about kids and what kids are watching. And a lot of parents, are they just hand over the iPad, load up YouTube kids, and they're like, see you later, almost enabling YouTube as kind of the babysitter of their kids. And we all know where that goes. They don't necessarily know what they're looking at. They don't have a fully formed brain. They can't look at things objectively. They're just watching. So that can, of course, be dangerous. Now, the lawsuit in it, or the payout, I should say, the $170 million payout, is in response specifically to the way that advertising is working around content targeting young people and how YouTube works in general when it comes to advertising, which is it gets to know the user, so then it can therefore match that user with the advertiser, or the advertiser with the user, I should say. Mm -hmm. So an advertiser can find its correct target audience. This is how Google operates. This is what they do very well. Well, it turns out, at least the, the claim here, is that they were enabling those tools to gather data on people that they knew weren't adults and to then advertise to them and to sell that information, essentially, to advertisers that wanted access to them. And that's where they violated certain restrictions around how you are allowed to market to young people. So, in response, Google puts out a blog post about a, a YouTube, put, YouTube puts out a blog post, Google, YouTube, whatever you want to call it. And they say, look, we're going to make some major changes here. This is not a good look for us. And this is something I've been predicting for a while. I'm not alone. A lot of people have been predicting this for a while that something was going to have to change in this department because of how sensitive it is. And they put out this blog post essentially saying, look, everything's going to change on our site. We're no longer going to try to guess if it's a young person watching content that we deem targeted at young people. We're no longer going to assume that just because the person with the account is 20 years old, that that means the person watching the content is 20 years old. Instead, what we're going to do is going to use algorithms and various other tools to decide on our own accord if a kid might want to watch this and if this is targeted at a young person. And if that's the case, we're going to scale back significantly our advertising efforts, primarily on the data collection process that we would typically use on a person we want to advertise to. So that's a lot of words. There's a lot of stuff there. And I don't have any, I'm, I'm running out of words just trying to describe it. Catch your breath. But the way to think about this, Will, is that content targeted at children is far more vague and the scope of it could be huge. Mm. If they deem something as targeting children, what about when children are in it? What if it's a family vlog in which they say, oh, it's uh, Amanda's first day of school. Mm -hmm. And Amanda's a kid and then a kid types first day of school and now they're watching this, which is really an adult vlog, but right. it just so happens to feature a child. So 
the first part of it is explaining how they're going to try to figure that out. The next part of the blog post is, hey, if you're a family vlogger, if you're a family channel or a kid's channel, you better get your ducks in a row mm -hmm. because things ain't going to be good for you. you. YouTube within this blog post has basically said you have four months to figure things out. And the way I interpret it is the money is about to stop flowing based on the way that I read it. Now, they don't say that explicitly. They say, you know, we're trying to help out. They say we're looking at alternative ways and, 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 and this and that. But I think YouTube is taking a major step back from the way they are monetizing and approaching this type of content. And they're going to take a far more careful approach than they have in the past. Part of it is this uh, fine that they got for 170 But a big part of it is just the bad press. Right. When anything goes wrong with kids, it's like a hundred times worse. It's like, you did what? Mm -hmm. You knew about what? And they probably knew it was a ticking thing that they were going to have to take care of. So here's a little bit from the update. In order to identify content made for kids, creators will be required to tell us when their content falls in this category. And then on top of that, we'll use machine learning to find videos that target young audiences. For example, those that have an emphasis on kids, characters, themes, toys, or games. So you can't lie about it. You can't be like, you know, this content isn't for kids, and then it turns out that it's kids that's watching it. And I'm a bet on YouTube on this one. I think they're probably, in most cases, going to be able to tell the difference. Now, if you scroll down to investing in family creators, this is where things, you, this is where things get real serious. It's almost like someone got fired from a job here. Listen to this. We know these changes will have a significant business impact. Business impact. You see that, Will? You know what that means, right? That's just the dollar signs. You know when they put three yeah. dollar signs in a row? It, they didn't say impact. They didn't say have a significant impact on family and kids creators. They said a significant business impact. That means your money's about to evaporate hmm. from pre-roll because we're not going to have it anymore because we no longer know anything about the audience. So we no longer can figure out what ad would even be suitable for them. Mm -hmm. If you're no longer collecting data, they got to stop the product pretty much altogether. Uh, significant business impact on family and kids creators who have been building both wonderful content and thriving businesses. So we've worked to give impacted creators four months to adjust before changes take effect on YouTube. You have four months to find a new job mm -hmm. or to figure out your own sponsors outside of the pre-roll mechanisms to figure out a way to continue to survive. You have four months. It, it, this is the way I'm reading it. Four months to still be on pre-roll. Or to still have, maybe even, it's like a severance, you know, if you get fired, it's like a severance, severance pack. Pay, yeah. Maybe they just gave them some pay equivalent to what they were earning on pre-roll and, and just said, okay, you have four months to figure it out. Maybe that's what happened. I don't really know, but it's something like that. We recognize this won't be easy for some creators and are committed to working with them through this transition and providing resources to help them better understand these changes. Not resources, period, resources to help them better understand these changes. In other words, if you need to commiserate, if you want to call us up and... It's like rehab. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, at the bottom there, it does say they're going to invest $100 million dispersed over three years for the creation of thoughtful, original children's content on YouTube. So this is YouTube possibly becoming more like PBS or something like this. Where they're like, oh, maybe we sh maybe it does matter what our kids watch. Maybe Sesame Street wasn't so bad. Yeah. Maybe we should throw a lesson or two in the content that kids are vegging out on mm -hmm. instead of just flipping between the next colorful 
gooey thumbnail. Right. It's possible. So I think YouTube's going to change quite a bit, and it's going to happen in four months. And if you're a creator in any of these spaces or you watch this kind of stuff, then uh, here you go. You can be aware. It's it's uh, it's changing for good. And I th and and I mean that for good. I think it had to happen in some way because it was getting too. It was getting weird. It's getting squirrely. It's squirrely is the right word. Yeah. It's the perfect. If you look it up, it's a picture of a squirrel, and then it's you <laughs> saying that word. I don't know. Costco has a great deal on a 72-pound wheel of cheese. You didn't know you could buy that at Costco, Will. You're over there. You think, oh, I'm just going to get the... That's exactly I'm, what I'm looking for. I'm just, you, you were like, I'm just going to fill up on the bulk chia seeds. And then in reality, what you should have got was the 72-pound wheel of Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese. Now, oh. <laughs> it looks so funny with the Costco branding. This is a $900 hunk of cheese. Perfect. Let me put that in perspective. That's 72 pounds. Let me put that in perspective... According to Chicago's very own WGN9, that is the same weight as 90 cans of Coca-Cola or 220 apples. Hmm. Kirk, he, he has an apple a day, so maybe he needs to switch to cheese. Yeah, bring a sliver of cheese every day. I like how one of the features is that it's extravagant. That's right. Three bullet points, aged 24 months, imported from Italy, and extravagant now this stuff is really amazing the way this stuff is made i watched a, a documentary on this uh this is delicious stuff i'm a big fan of this stuff it's just odd to see it with the costco branding around it for whatever reason and it's odd that any regular human shopping there would have a place to put this slice it use it maybe if you have a restaurant mm. you'll pick this up it is a tremendous amount of cheese. It's obviously a better deal, as you would expect. This gigantic hunk of cheese works out to 78 cents per ounce. If you bought it in seven ounce wedges, as a normal person would, uh. that goes up to around $1.30 per ounce. So it's almost half price if you bought it at the regular yeah. pace. And if you have like a group of people who want to buy cheese, just oh, you get a group. Like oh, a buy. group buy. Yeah. And Apple then you then you have a slice, you, know? uh, you have a, 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 a cheese party, mm. and you slice it up together. You have a few bites, you drink a little wine, yeah. and then you all leave with your pieces of cheese. That's a great idea, Will. Yeah. You just came up with it. It's a cheese party. You just solved the problem. Anyhow, kind of a funny item, kind of a funny story. If you ever wanted the, the cheese equivalent of 90 cans of Coca-Cola, you can now just order it up through your Costco membership. It's a nice comparison. 90 cans of Coca-Cola. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's that also crazy it takes two years to make it, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah. if you think about it, you take all this stuff for granted. You get a sliver of cheese or you go and have some, you go for Italian food or, or whatever, and you're just, they're grating it on top. That's two years ago. Mm -hmm. This cheese you're having is two years ago. Wine as well. Yeah, all the great things. You notice that? You notice this, Will, how great things take time? Yeah. If it doesn't take time, it probably ain't great. Direct aging. It probably ain't great. Anyhow. All right, last one for me. Uh, trending page. Haven't talked about the YouTube trending page in a while. Uh, it's been difficult for me to figure out exactly what to choose because the trending page has been delivering a lot of similar content mm -hmm. in the music territory. It's now been displaced by Nintendo Direct Live at the top of trending. 
Uh, probably the most newsworthy thing in trending, it, like as from a YouTube perspective, is KSI and Logan Paul. They have a rematch coming up, a boxing rematch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the internet, obviously, very aware of the original boxing match they had. They trained for months. Yeah. Maybe they trained for a really long time. What's that? Did you watch it? I think I you won. Saw KSI thing? won, right? By decision? No, it's a draw. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a tie. It was a tie? Yeah, it was I was like, tie, how yeah. perfect is this? It's a tie. Know, right? yeah. yeah. So they were, anyhow, in the original fight, which apparently I remember vividly, <laughs> uh, I don't think I watched it. Maybe I just saw a highlight. I don't know. Anyhow, they were wearing headgear, like amateur boxing style headgear or Olympic level boxing style headgear, training gear, mm-hmm. which sort of protects you a little bit. And so the big news here, at least what Jack told me, is they're taking the headgear off. It's about to get serious. And uh, somebody could potentially get knocked out now. Mm. Got no headgear. Uh, how, I don't know how many ounces the gloves are. Anyway, they're running it back. They're rolling it back. And you know they're going to make some money. 10-ounce gloves. Because last time, they made plenty of money. They did, they did it as a pay-per-view. So you had to pay to watch it. And, uh, and a number of people did. So why not do it all over? Why not punch each other in the head all over again for some money? Why don't we click on a video and, and give it a look? Oh, interestingly, should, should say before you do that, the Logan Paul version of the announcement is above the KSI version of the announcement in and it was trending. Like the exact same time that they uploaded. They were uploaded at the same time. And the KSI video has substantially more views almost twice as many views yet it's below hmm. the logan paul video i'm not trying to be hmm. conspiratorial i'm just saying i think trending the trending thing is a ratio thing compared to the amount of views that that individual has been getting recently if right. it's a higher percentage of click-throughs then i don't know it might be interpreted differently i'm not reading too much into it but i thought i should let you know so you pick will which announcement video would you like us to ingest a portion of? The KSI? Okay, he, KSI. Cho- he chose KSI over <laughs> Logan Paul. We have a little trailer here. The internet's... Good. Can we run that back? Roll it back just a little bit there? I just want to make sure I got the whole thing here. The internet's biggest celebrities, KSI, Logan Paul, attempted to settle their beef. I, sh- I could be the voice of this thing. So now we have a highlight, punching back and forth. You know what? That looked not bad. That looked not, not bad. They were hitting. They've turned pro. No headgear. All action. November 9th, Staples Center, Los Angeles. Oh, it's coming up pretty soon, November 9th. Okay, KSI versus Logan Paul 2 only on day. How do you say that? Day's end? What's that new, that sports? Yeah, Dazen. That new, it's available on the Dazen app. So they've obviously. Uh, got some pretty substantial partnership because I know they're streaming all kinds of sports, right, on that app? If I recall correctly, I think they're streaming some uh, football, possibly. A couple of other sports. Uh, maybe Will can click on it. Give us a schedule. Yeah, do the do the Canada one because I've, yeah. a couple of friends mentioned it to me. You get, yeah, look at this. It's like 20 bucks. You get the NFL Network, NFL Game Pass. You get the soccer. Uh, no hockey, baseball, or basketball. Oh, MLB? Where's MLB? Am I missing that? Oh, yeah, MLB Network. Okay, so you're just missing hockey and basketball. You got tennis. Bellator. Mm-hmm. You got some MMA. You got Bellator on there. So pretty cool. 
pretty cool concept, a pretty cool place to do it. It kind of legitimizes it in a way to have it stream on there. And I presume these guys can do the pay-per-view for them, lighten up the load. Uh, they have another, they have some experience now. They've been in, their, in the ring together. They uh, had the original boxing match and boxing training that went with it. Mm -hmm. You have to presume it's going to look even better than it did last time. And honestly, it didn't look that terrible. It wasn't a, you know, a professional... It wasn't a professional fight. It wasn't like watching a, uh, Anthony Joshua. No, it was definitely amateur. Yeah, it was definitely amateur, but for a couple of YouTubers, okay. Yeah. They, they, they looked like they were in good physical shape. and They seem athletic. I, I don't think it was embarrassing, honestly. No. It's not for me. Uh, to be honest, these guys, are these guys are successful. They don't have to go punch each other or whatever. But uh, they're making so much money now, it's tough to avoid. They're, they're, you're able to you're able to hit that money button, and as you know from watching pro fighting UFC stuff, it's a, it's tough to ignore that money button. You just go back, run it back, do it all over again. So we'll see what happens. No headgear. It's a new development. KSI versus Logan Paul. The rematch is finally here, and maybe it's a good time to ask you guys a question: Are you the least bit interested? Will you be purchasing this pay per view, or are you going to be watching a highlight after? Or are you done with it? Did you watch the first version? And you're just like, all right, I, I get it. I've seen enough. I don't know. Now, also, Will, you do know they all they often fill out the undercard with other YouTubers. Mm -hmm. Any any other YouTubers you'd like to see get inside the boxing ring? I thought uh, Fousey was fighting. Oh, Fousey's going to get in there. I, I, I don't know. Who would he fight? I thought he was fighting uh, one of his rivals. It was like... Uh, Who's his rival? Keemstar is his rival? I don't know who his rival is. Vitaly he's got, would be Vitaly. Okay, yeah. He's, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. He's got a lot. No, I mean, but, uh, it w I think you're on the record. You're on the record now. Well, I so seriously think he he was training. People, people are going to hold you to that because you're on the record now. He was like, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm sure he. W I'm sure he would want to get in on that. Get a lot of eyeballs on that. So, look. Anyhow, they're running it back. It's happening all over again. KSI versus Logan Paul. I don't know if that's your thing. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Leave a comment down below. YouTube, we live in this place, in this land of thumbnails. Our thumbnail is just another thumbnail, but you chose this thumbnail, and I thank you for that.